Asia Tech Podcast. Voice of the Asian Tech Ecosystem. Hello, welcome to Asia Tech Podcast. My name is Graham Brown, and we are in Platform E in the Asia Tech Podcast studio. I'm joined by Jenny Pan. Jenny Pan's the founder of CarePod. We're going to talk about CarePod, why we need CarePod, and also the journey that you've had in building CarePod, because it's not mm. been a straight line journey, has it? <laughs> but I mean, it's great to have you here because you're, you know, no matter, we, off air, we shared a lot about your, your challenges as any startup founder would face building mm-hmm. a business, but you're, you've been smiling your way through it. So, you know, you bring <laughs> a lot of positivity to the scene. So Jenny, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Graham. It's great to be here. Yeah. So uh, let's put a little bit of context as to how you sort of came about to be on this show. I met you at the Muradi Demo Day. That's right. And you were there talking about CarePod, and you, I think you were the first up to pitch, right? <laughs> yes, they put me as the first one to come up on stage. Right. I, I thought you would have, you know, you would have volunteered yourself to be. You, you're quite. You're very confident. <laughs> no, like they across. had us. They had us picked out. So oh, really? They, they they had scheduled the order. Was that the best one to go? Number one? I don't know. I don't know. We'll have to ask ask the Miradi guys. Right. Okay. You get out of the way, don't <laughs> Maybe you? Maybe I was there just to warm up the the crowd. <laughs> <laughs> but you, I mean. What really impressed me about you, Jenny, is that, um, you know, from that short conversation that we had, mm-hmm. not just about your product and your company, we'll, we'll come to that in a minute, but just your sort of whole attitude is that, you know, you're very good at not pitching necessarily, but talking about your, you, your business, and you're very engaging at doing that. So, I mean, that came across really, really well. I was really impressed. And Thank when you. I went away from the demo day Mm -hmm. and I thought like who do I want to get on the show like you were top of that list (laughs) so thank you so much that's only because I was the first person (laughs) there you go so let's talk about it I mean let's talk about CarePod first and um maybe we can before we do that back up a little bit let's talk about Laza Apsos am I right Ah, did I get that right yes you did so for for the listeners who don't know what we're talking about fill us in (laughs) So Lhasa Apso is a type of Tibetan dog. Um, The most famous Tibetan dogs that people are familiar with are the Tibetan Mastiff, which look like lions. (laughs) They have a mane, they're very big. And then you've got the smaller Tibetan Terriers and the Tibetan Lhasa Apsos. Mastiffs are the ones that normally are stationed outside the temples to guard the temples. Um, And then inside the monasteries, they have these little Lhasa Apsos. And I'm one of the fortunate people that also have one. In right. my apartment now. Yeah. Little girl. <laughs> Little girl. She's not a girl anymore. She's, really. she's, she's a she's a old lady. <laughs> <laughs> Asia Tech Podcast. Find out more at ATP.show. So you see, I mean Tibetan Mastiffs are big dogs, right? Tibetan Mastiffs are about 50, 60 kilos. Wow. They have a mane That's around a they have a mane around their neck like a lion yeah. because they're used to fight lions back in the days oh, and wow. bears. Really? Um, so they're as Seriously? protectors, yeah. Wow. And the whole thing with the mane is so that when the lion or the tiger grabs them, they can pull their heads out from the jaws. And that's the whole purpose of having a mane. No way. <laughs> so when people try to have these as pets, I'm a little bit, little bit wow, scared. Wow, yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, my God. But I didn't I, know that was kind of the background. Yeah, me. so they're, they're um, protectors and yeah. fighting lions. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Lhasa Afsos are the little ones inside that yeah. kind of are just more, more lap dogs. Right. Yeah. <laughs> than, than lion like, fighting. Yeah. She thinks Portable. she is. <laughs> um, how did you come to have a Lazarapso? So I think, uh, I've always had 
different types of dogs. I've always adopted or fostered mm. pets because I sometimes was not able to care for them permanently. Um, I was in Australia. I was living there for a long time. My last dog was a stray um, and you know, about 15 years old. She had diabetes. She died at a very old age. Um, no. And when she passed, that's when I thought, okay, I'm ready to move overseas. Right. Because for the longest time when I had her, I could not and I was not willing to fly mm. because she was already so old, my last dog. Why, um, why were you not willing to fly? Because I didn't think it was safe. Right. Because I knew about the flight process. I knew about the pet travel process. I've looked into it. Um, and I just didn't think that my older dog would mm. be able to get through that experience. Right, right. Um, so I thought it was too traumatic for her. And I basically was turning down job offers overseas and staying mm. in Australia oh, really? so I could be there with her until she passed. Wow. Um, so when she passed, you know, it was, it was heartbreaking. I was upset for a long time and I still was thinking, okay, take some time. I won't get a dog. I'm going to move overseas right. and then I'll get a dog. And then I kind of had that itch when I was like, I really want a dog. Right, right. <laughs> so I started looking. I was going to the pounds. I was trying to find, you know, some. A puppy or a younger dog that can fly that uh -huh. did not have, um, you know, was not too old. And when I was looking at puppies from the pound, the hardest thing was that I didn't know how big they would get. Mm. Um, so then I, I found a lady who um, had a lot of different, you know, smaller size dogs, and she had she had a Lhasa that was um, about to give birth, um, and said, you know, if you're interested, then we can talk. And that's how I, I finally got right. my current dog from birth. From birth. So I had her yeah. as a puppy. And the whole thing was that um, she was going to be quite a small dog um, and also a very low energy dog. Because I yeah. knew my goal was to, to move out of Australia, potentially out in Asia. And it needed to be an apartment-sized dog. <laughs> I could not afford right. to have a Mastiff. Mastiff, yeah. Yeah, you needed a house just for that thing, I know. Right? I mean, I would love to have big dogs. Right. But it's, yeah. it's harder in Asia. Well, let's, let's talk about the whole travel thing because, mm -hmm. I mean, travel alone for human beings is pretty hard, right? I mean, but we kind of yeah. travel in luxury by comparison, right? I've never taken a pet. I've never taken a pet traveling. So mm -hmm. I don't know what's involved. Right. So and maybe I'm sure listeners are going to tune in to what you're saying and like, oh, my God, this is so, like, she's speaking about issues that I feel, right? So yes. those people do get it, but I must be some people who don't get it. Yeah, like, and, and to be honest, a lot of people don't understand until they've had to do it right. with their pets. Right. Um, and when I speak with pet owners who either have traveled with their pets before or have not, it's almost that divide between, you know what it's like once you have kids, but until yeah, you have yeah, kids, yeah. you don't understand. That's so right. it's almost like that. I've had pet owners that told me, oh, you know, my ticket was $1,000. I thought I would just buy a ticket for my dog. Her ticket was much more expensive, and it was much more of a heartache and, you know, so much stress to get her ready, and nothing was easy, and it was so expensive, yet it was also so unsafe. Right. So what actually happens is that um, it depends on the airline. Everybody has Every airline has a different process or a different mm. way they manage it, but most of it is there's a, a, a separate cost that you pay you have to then either take it to the airport, you have to drive it out to the cargo site to check them in a separate area to where people check in. Mm. So when we think about checking in, we think, okay, we're going to the airport, we're gonna to go to this beautiful counter, a nice lady is gonna greet us and help us with everything. For a lot of these owners, they're shocked to find that they're driving into a cargo warehouse. Right. 
at the back of the airport, there's no signage, so you feel like you're almost in a a different neighborhood. Right. All of a sudden, there's no signs. It's just a lot of trucks. And is it like a guy a in a yellow corners. jacket yeah. with a clipboard? Yeah. Right. You'd be lucky if you see anybody. Wow. You just see a lot of trucks. You see a lot yeah. of forklifts coming in and out. And you don't even know what sign or which door you go mm. into. So you're kind of bumbling about with your dog. There's a lot of loud sounds because things are loading and unloading. You go to a, a counter and there's a lot of stuff everywhere. And mm. it's basically, if you... If you think about what you see in Ikea and you peep out in the back and they've got a whole bunch of boxes and they're unloading, that's what a cargo warehouse kind of looks like. Um, So they go in, they see that, and they check their dogs in or their pets or cats. Then they realize their dogs have to wait there in that space with all that sound, with all of those things going on, while then we have to drive back to the airport, Mm. recheck in. And when we're at the lounge, you know, having a cup of tea, having some champagne, they're still in the warehouse and they're there for hours. And they don't know what's going on. They have no idea what's going on. You've left them importantly. You're out of sight. Correct, correct. So they're left either somewhere in the warehouse waiting to be loaded or sometimes they will be already driven out to the tarmac waiting to be loaded on the Mm. plane. Um, And there there are different parts of the process and every airport, every airline is different. But I guess the, the hardest thing is for a pet, they don't understand what's going on. The process that they move in is similar to a, a freight or a cargo yeah, process. Yeah. So they're treated like your suitcases. Exactly. And we've seen our suitcases come out. When we pick it up from the luggage boat, we're like, destroyed. How, how did it yeah. crack like this? Yeah, yeah. What, what have they what done happened? to this thing, right? Exactly. So when you see that, you're like, what is going to happen to right. my pet? Wow. Um, and that, that's where the fear and a lot of the stress comes in from a pet owner's point of view. And then when you see your pet come out, you right. see how traumatized they are sometimes. And you're like, what did they see? I mean, I've had times where I picked up my pet from airports and she was completely drenched. I think it was raining out in the tarmac and she was out there. All of her paperwork was wet. Her crate was filled with water mm. and it looked like she just had a bath and <laughs> she was not dried. And that's how I picked her up. Um, and it's, it's heartbreaking to see that you yeah. know, 14 hours. Was she subjected right. to the cold like that? And you don't know. But you've said yourself that would prevent you from flying. And, and more importantly, like prevent you from sort of life decisions as well. Yeah. Like, would you move somewhere? Yeah. Would you do these things? So, and it's not like you can't pay for the, a good service for your pet, right? That's right. Because people lavish a lot of money on pets, Ooh, yeah. right? You know, more <laughs> than children. More in many... so than ever before. Exactly. Right. And more so than kids these days. Because right. you have, I mean, we'll talk about CarePod in a minute. Mm-hmm. And you have an interesting demographic happening in, or a fundamental change in, in Asia, which is like you have fewer and fewer children as well. And now, That's right. you know, I mean, if you go to Japan, I mean, I spent a lot of time in Japan and they love their pets there, like children. And they have, you know, their little baby cars, the prams, they and, they, and, you know, they dress them. and They, they... have daycares. I've been to yeah. their daycares and they are immaculate. They yeah. have, I think, Two person to one dog right. was basically yeah. the ratio. Of Which is this. more than you get in a, a human being daycare, right? So, and I think it was more expensive than human being daycare. Yeah. Um, so the money's there. I mean, the, the point I'm trying to say, there. fundamentally, we're seeing this shift where more and more people are owning pets. Mm-hmm. It seems to be, I know it's not specific to Asia, but, you know, Asia is sort of like, if you compare pet ownership in Asia to, like, say, US, mm-hmm. US is much more advanced, you know, there's more mm-hmm. services. But we're now starting to see Asia sort of catch on. That's right. Because of this demographic, because people have money, the middle classes and so on. I mean, the middle classes in Asia are 
you know, two thirds will be living Phenomenal in Asia, growth, right? Exactly. So we have all these kind of fundamentals driving pet ownership. But what we don't have is this missing part, which is that sort of care or understanding that they're more than freight cargo. Yeah. So what, why is that? I mean, why, why do airlines treat, or some airlines treat pets like luggage? I think the, when we speak with airlines, when we work with airlines and talk to them, the, the passenger business and this is what us, um, we as consumers would see. Mm. You know, we see an airline for that airline. Um, we don't see it as a passenger business or a cargo business. Mm. But when you talk to any airline, they will see themselves either sitting strongly on the passenger business or a cargo business. So when airlines are built, they are built on those two very separate teams. Right. Two departments. Two departments. Right. Yeah, and yeah. they're two very different entities. They have different management teams. They have different KPIs. They basically have different P&Ls that they mm. manage. Uh, so when you look at that business, that's how it's been built you know, from the, the 40s or 50s when people started flying. And when you think about how they grow, they've started to grow in these two silos. So the passenger side of an airline business normally do not work as closely with the cargo side. Right. And this is obvious when I start to go into meetings and see the airlines. Most of the time, they're not even in the same building. Right. They don't really talk to each other on a daily basis. Um, sometimes they're actually halfway across the city or the airport. They they're, might they're as well in completely be a separate, different separate yeah. locations. You have to right. drive a good 20 minutes to get to them. Gotcha. Right, at least. Right. Um, so if you if you think about that's how they've structured their business, then mm. you can understand how, you know, they don't see the problem in the same way. So right now in the U.S. Um, and also in Asia, you have a lot of pet owners saying we want a better service for our mm. pets. We demand this. How could this happen when we flew with our pets? And they'll call the passenger side and complain because that's where they book their tickets, right? And they'll say to somebody at their um, at the lounge, I can see my dog out in the tarmac. Can right. you please move it out of the sun? But what a passenger doesn't realize is the people who have access to the tarmac is on the cargo side, yeah. or it doesn't even belong to the airline, right? So there's a lot of pieces to the, the airline management side that um, also holds them back from being mm. able to directly address a lot of the pet problems, the pet transport problems. Um, so back to the, the whole part about the airlines, Airlines have a passenger team and a cargo team. And unless they work together, mm. the cargo team most of the time is the one delivering the pets. Yeah. But when we book it, we normally book it through the passenger side. And the problems, when it goes through, it kind of funnels through the passenger side. But the cargo side are the operational back end that has to work with it and deal with it. Um, so it, unfortunately, there's not, not a, a very good relationship and connection between these two very separate entities. And I think that's one of the biggest issues that we see mm, now. Right. In the US, especially week after week, we see a lot of problems on pet transport. Everybody is talking about it. Everybody is talking about how many pets they're killing, how many pets, you know, why are they not doing this? But nobody is talking into why they can't resolve yeah, this yeah, problem. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's what what are the fundamental yeah, exactly. thing is a passenger business works on passenger mm, mm. issues. A cargo business works on cargo issues. Yet the whole pet as a product or pet as a, a item that needs to move around 
it's the only thing that straddles between a passenger business and a cargo business. Mm. And because of that, who is really taking responsibility for that? Right, right. And that's where, where we see things get dropped. Some fundamental issues. I mean, we'll talk a bit more about that in a minute. I think you've really identified the problem here. Um, we'll, we'll talk about your, your solution as well, mm-hmm. CarePod. And um, I just wonder, maybe what we should do is we should send the passengers through the cargo business and then <laughs> that will deal with the issue, right? They will, they will be shocked. Right, exactly. <laughs> but this is what the pets have to go through, right? Yeah. So, so let's talk about CarePod. Let's talk about what it is. Because when I came to Demo Day, you had a prototype, you had a working model, which That's you, right. you showed to me. And we don't have it here and obviously the listeners can't see it. So mm-hmm. can you describe as well as you can what exactly it is? So we, uh, we have a... a an entire solution that would help pets, pet owners, and airlines be able to feel comfortable and safe about this entire process. Mm. Um, the CarePod solution consists of, I would say, two major parts. One is the, the physical products, mm. and then there's the software side. Um, so for the physical products, we have um, you know different tracking tags, we have the smart pod that is a, a first-class suite and a, a high-tech pet carrier mm. um, that the pets would be able to go in and it's it's almost like entering a first-class Right, can you describe what Emirates goes on suite. in there? <laughs> Does it have a shower in there? I know, I know, it plays ambient music. <laughs> right, well, what's inside it? So the, the way that the, the smart pod works is um, it helps reduce a lot of the stress factors that a pet would face mm. during the travel process. One of the um, the things that when you put your cat or dog inside the care pod, they would immediately feel you know more comfortable because they don't get um, they don't get a lot of the visual stress. They can't see outside right. the containers. Yeah. Um, and one of the things is when pets see what's going on with all the warehouse loading, all the planes taking off, that really stresses them out. The noise, isn't the it? noise, yeah. everything. So we're trying to work on you know, being able to increase ventilation, being able to provide them with the right airflow, um, at the same time reducing a lot of the, uh, the visual stress, mm. the noise stress. CarePod is the first carrier um, in the world to have its own built-in water tank. Um, so it's not just a, a human water bottle that's upside down with a little hamster Oh, right. Metal, metal. Is that what straw. we're doing these days? That, that's what's happening these days. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, if you've ever looked at how cats and dogs drink, they don't drink the same way a gerbil does, right? Right, right. <laughs> but, but that's what they put up. Yeah. And I, I really feel like a lot of times when you look at the animals inside of these unfortunate crates, they're just looking at the water bottle thinking, I'd like some water, but I, yeah. I don't know how to drink from this. Right, right, exactly. And it's new <laughs> to them. Do we have a, have you got a, on your, your phone, can we get a, like a photo of this thing? Can you see if we can get a, a picture of this thing? The, the care pod? I mean, the, the, this sweet thing? Have you got it on your website? No, no, oh, no. It's it? not. It's not. It's not released on the website. Right. Can we have a look at what the? How do we find out what actually the, the existing solution is? Right. The existing the solution. Yeah, you can just look up um, pet travel containers or pet crates, right, right. and you'll see be able to see. Like. Yeah. yeah, and the, the design. You know, it was from from the seventies. Right. Okay. The the very standard plastic crates gotcha. and then people just pop in a, a water dish or upside down water dish. bottle. Yeah, yeah, that's the one. Is that what, that's, so that's Cadence currently, is just holding it up here. So what have we got? So that, I mean, that's what you take your, your, that's currently what we to have the, to the vet. You take your pet to the vet in that thing, right? Yeah. That's what I see like on the, the bus or 
exactly, tube, right? Exactly. And that's also very similar to what front, yeah. you would take onto the airplane. Right. And that's what they'll be in for 12-hour flight, 7-hour flight. Yeah. 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 And I think um, when people think about flight times, they forget to add in the four hours you have to yeah. bring it in before you check them in, before your, your flight takes off. Yeah. And then also when they get off, it, it'll take another few hours for them to go through right. the unloading process for you to be able to pick them up. Wow. I mean, it's not like even sitting in economy for seven or 12 hours, isn't it? Because even it is truly cattle class. Yeah, it really is cattle <laughs> class. But then, you, you know, you, you can't move around. And the, the, do they get fed whilst they're in this thing? No. And, uh, what happens? Do they put them in the hold? They are in the cargo hold. They are with is that the, depressurized or what? It's pressurized. So it's, it's the same pressure um, as the top of the cabin. Right. Everything has to maintain the same pressure. Otherwise, the airplane would just kind of implode. Yeah, 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 blow up. Yeah. <laughs> the only difference is that um, when it's in the cargo hold, the ventilation system and the design is different to yeah. the cabin. Yeah. So it's not the same ventilation system that we would get. Um, the temperature is controlled directly by the pilot. Yeah. Um, and he would normally or she would get a, a list of, you know, manifesto of what is being carried inside the plane. Yeah. And the pilot would then decide, OK, how to turn the temperature. Is that turn up the temperature or turn right. down the temperature for whatever type of cargo he's flying today? Right. OK. So it's, it's in a special space. But the hard thing is that that space is not accessible during flight. Um, so no humans can go in so there. So no humans can go in there. The flight attendant cannot go and check oh, wow, up on yeah, it. Yeah. So that's why when we designed the care pod, we've designed it to be a, a almost self-contained yeah. suite. Like a capsule hotel? Exactly. So it's almost like they're in their own spaceship or capsule right, right, hotel. Right, right. So they're protected. So what have they got going in there? Have they got... I don't know, what does a pet need? Do they need TV? Do they need, like, order a bag of peanuts? They've got, they've got you know, a little bell that they can ping someone. No. <laughs> so the way that we had designed it was... Um, the most important thing is to be able to provide them with good ventilation, yeah. be able to um, provide water, mm. try to, um, you know, minimize their stress levels. So mm. anything that would contribute to the stress, we're, we're trying to help them reduce. And that yeah. is a lot of, you know, seeing unknown things, being in unknown environments. The way that when you look inside a care pod, um, all you see is this beautiful gray kind of light you don't mm. directly see what's happening outside mm. um, versus if you looked at a normal crate you'll see exactly what's going on yeah, yeah. Um, so we want to maintain a very uh, you know subtle and and comfortable yeah. and chilled environment low for intensity them. In exactly so the, you don't want to yeah. just keep stressing them out with all yeah. these different things all these different people or unfamiliar objects because they they just when you stress them out to that level, it really makes them, you know, breathe harder. They right. want to escape. Whereas if you put them in a much more, you know, relaxed environment, they'll probably just want to go to sleep yeah. and rest and exactly. and wait for someone to, you know, open up the door. Yeah. And they want to do it again, maybe. We hope so. Yeah, exactly. Rather we hope they'll than... be comfortable enough to. Yeah, yeah. It's not a trauma. And what about for the the owners? Because this mm. is also traumatic i suppose isn't it yes. like especially when the pet's in the hold and you don't know what's yes. going on and yes so what, what can you do for them so there's um when we looked at this process we wanted to and we we spoke with pet owners um to see what they were looking for and i think when we looked into that a lot of people were basically wanting a peace of mind they wanted to number one know that the airlines are providing mm. the right level of service and care um and this is also one of the biggest problems is that um, that's the number one thing they don't trust is they don't trust airlines to take care of their pets. 
So that's one thing that they, they have expressed that is their biggest concern. The other thing that they wanted to know was um, how their, their pets are doing throughout this entire process. Mm. So from the, the point where they release and check in their pets, um, they don't get to see them until they pick them up at the yeah, end. Yeah. So it's almost like your bags. The moment you, you put them through, that's it. And that's a long time when you mm. think about it. Um, so what we and they don't always come out the other end. Well, right? we're not sure. They might come out uh, somewhere like in Japan. Yeah, or <laughs> I've been there. Yeah, <laughs> or it's Europe, happening. but right. just not the airport you were hoping they yeah. come out in. Um, so when we started down this process, um, we looked at you know ways that we can help pet owners get that peace of mind and understand where their pets are, what location they're at what stage they're at mm. of this entire... What know, tracking... Exactly. So there's a tracking side to right. it where yeah. they can very easily see, okay, it's now at this airport at this point, and they're doing this. Okay, mm. now it's just waiting. It's in yeah. a, a waiting area. Okay, fair enough. It's not waiting in the sun. Right. Okay, now it's about to... It's left the, the cargo warehouse, and it's now headed for the plane. Okay, great. And then when we land, you know, if I'm landing in Heathrow, then I would be able to get a notice, you know, hopefully within half an hour after I land, mm -hmm. hey, my pet's also now passing through the Heathrow, this airline, their cargo facilities. That's great. I know right. I know he or she, my pet's here. Yeah. And then and then I'll be able to get another notification maybe within half an hour to say, okay, now she's ready. Whenever you guys come to pick her up, that's great. Yeah. Beeline for <laughs> to pick her up. Absolutely. And that's something that um, when we spoke with pet owners, 80% of pet owners that we've surveyed who want to travel with pets want to have this ability to know where their pets are. That, that's the, the main challenge, isn't it? When all of this is not knowing. That's I think right. That's, I mean, you're not necessarily changing the airline in any way. That's right. You're, you're just giving people information. And, you know, when it comes to their pets, which are like their children in many respects, it's like exactly. you're taking away all the uncertainty and there's nothing more stressful i mean you know what it's like when you wait for your bags it's like you're the last guy standing at the you carousel. feel like you're the last person right right no no not again it's like you know being that last person is awful but i mean with your pets it must be absolutely terrifying it is and it, it i have heard of people comparing this process to going into surgery yeah and i think yeah. it's a horrible way to yeah. to think about it but that's what they would tell you that like, fly your pet it, is, you? is going into surgery you're not a, always 100% it's going to come out. Yeah. I said, how is that possible? We can send animals to the moon and they would come back safely. Yeah. I'm on the same flight. How is it that it's so dangerous for them? It should not be this way. That is, that is not good enough in 2018. Yeah. Maybe in the 70s, I can understand, but not now, right? We've got all these technology. We have so many, so many amazing things that we can do. Yeah. And, and when you start to... When I first started and I looked into all the other products, what they call products, because I don't like to think of our pets as products, but when you look at all the other things that airlines fly and move in terms of their cargo mm. and other things, they have such advanced technology for everything else except pets. Really? Pharmaceutical has amazing things. They have tracking, they have temperature control, they have cold storage and any cold temperature you want. And there's amazing stuff that people use for vaccines because you need to for vaccines mm. and medication. But we don't have those things for pets. But we can do those for imported Japanese peaches or very expensive agricultural goods or wine. But we don't have those for pets. So it's not that the technology isn't there. Mm. It's just the processes haven't caught up to that. 
Yeah. Well, it takes somebody also to step up and tell them that this is what needs to be done. And <laughs> this is why you're here, Jenny. So um, let's sort of move on and talk a, a bit about the business itself. Mm-hmm. So um, obviously, if people are listening, they want to know a bit about the background and so on. Really, really, you know, just to kind of help people understand what stage you're at, you know, you, you, do you have a product? Do you have customers? How have you financed it up to this point? What do we need to know? Yeah, so we we've actually been been doing this for a few years now. Mm. Um, it's been almost four years. We've taken a lot of time to work with uh, vets and pet owners and airlines to develop a product that is beneficial for all of these three very important user groups. Mm. Um, on the airline side, you know, we had to work very closely on the regulatory side of things because that's very important. Um, and we, we've already done several rounds of prototyping. We have a product ready to go. You know, we're ready to launch. We are doing piloting. We have done already pilots um, in different countries with different airlines. Um, so we're, we're now in, uh, in deep discussions with, uh, with a few airlines mm-hmm. to get things going. So I think this is a great, great step for all pet owners out there that want to travel. We're almost there, guys. <laughs> I can see it's a personal mission. As well. It is really a very personal it. mission. What, what very would, personal. Um, Okay, we'll talk about the the airlines in a minute, but up until this point, how have you funded it? Have you bankrolled it? Have you bootstrapped it? Have you got seed investors? What can you share with us? Yeah, so we've um, bootstrapped for a very long time. Um, We've done... uh, I'm still extremely poor, let's say that, and heavily in debt. (laughs) I think... um, But laughing. But, but, you know, we we make do. I think uh, sometimes things are worth it. Right. and we've so we've you funded had, this yourself. We funded this ourselves with a, a few, you know, other team members coming right. on board, and um, also with uh, we've been very fortunate to have very good investors that mm. very, very from the very beginning that's helped us through. Um, and I think everyone's been been efficiently and effectively managing this this yeah. process. We wanted to, you know, it is expensive. There is a hardware component to it, so I would definitely say it's not cheap compared mm. to a lot of the digital startups. Um, but I think we've been slowly, slowly marching forward with what we can and the resources that we have to get to where we are now. Right, right. Yeah, that, that's an interesting challenge. Bootstrapping any business is tough. Bootstrapping a hardware business is, you know, it's, it's an extreme challenge, but, you know, you're, you're pushing forward and, um, you know, you need some breaks as well. I mean, that's mm. kind of, you know, you need an airline sponsor, a good partner and so on. You need that's a bit right. Of, press coverage to get sort of you know, right. th- this issue on the agenda as mm-hmm. well. So are you raising funds now or what's your plans? So we're not raising at the moment. Um, we've been very fortunate that we can we can still go uh, and continue going. Um, we will hopefully be making a few important announcements soon. Mm. So um, we'll probably look to raise our seed round later this year or beginning right. next year. Um, and that's something that uh, is definitely on the agenda. So, so why are you waiting to raise your seed round? Is it really just to kind of get all your product right and then go out to the market and say, okay, right now we need to explore the market and see who we can sell this to? Or you, where are you with all that? I think our thinking, especially from my, my personal view, is that um, there are some people who like to fundraise just to keep growing yeah, and scaling yeah. and fueling things. Yeah. Um, and I think that's one way to run a business. Um, I think for us, it, it's more of a, we want to drive the business first and fundraise when we need it. Mm. So if 
necessary if we can do it on our own, then we do it on our own. Right. And um, I think we've been. But been why able have you chosen? To... I'm, I'm just playing. Mm. I'm just being contrary. Yeah, yeah. Here, but why have you chosen that? Because. You know, obviously, we live in the startup world, and it's like you scale just for the sheer hell of it, right? Yeah, Sometimes. yeah, yeah. But why have you, cho- especially if you had a hardware? I mean, if somebody came along and said, "Look, if you could raise ten million now, yeah, you could really do some things, yeah, right." But you're saying no because. So we we have tried to fundraise before. I would definitely right. say it's not through the lack of trying. We've done some initial smaller raises, and it's it's just a. What we found difficult was the investors mentality to right. the space so when we started this it was about four years ago um, pet and pet technology was not a big topic even though it is now for 2018 2014 15 it was not right people were still talking about e-commerce people mm. wanted to be in in asia in particular i still remember that were those were the days of uh e-commerce redmart grab and uh food deliveries, mm-hmm. you know, that was the big thing in Asia. And when we went to speak with investors about pet and travel, it was like, what? Mm. <laughs> is this a big market? Do people really care? And it was it was that um, mentality that I think was, um, the market just wasn't quite ready for us yet. I think um, we were not um, able to go to the U.S. to fundraise at that time. So I didn't look at the U.S. market, maybe the U.S., would have been much more receptive to this idea. I think mm. now the U.S. is obviously all over this topic. Pet tech, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, Mars has a new pet fund. There's a lot of things in the space now. But when we first started, um, there was nothing. Right. So when you talk about investor mentality, is it really mm-hmm. that they just don't get why we need this? Or is it they have a different attitude towards what you're trying to do? They, they I would say in the beginning, they probably didn't get it. Yeah. And we started out, you know, we're, we're based out of Singapore. When I first started, I spoke with a lot of investors around Singapore in Southeast Asia, and the mentality towards pet was quite different. Um, so in, in Asia, there's not a lot of domestic air travel. A lot of it's much more international travel. Mm. Um, and when people thought about that, they were always like, oh, you know, is that a big business? Is that a big enough business mm. to look at? And the way people saw pets in in Asia, it was still seen as a a status symbol versus a family right. member. Yeah. So that's where you get the whole, well, do I really want to fly my pet? Why don't I just leave it with someone here leave and then the move yeah. move countries? Right? Yeah. I have a helper, or you know, whereas that's a different different approach in Europe or mm. in the U.S. People would think, oh, I'm gonna have to find a nice pet hotel, or, yeah. family, or I'll, I'll drive, family, right? I'll drive yeah. a good 13, 14 hours, two days to go on a holiday with them. Whereas in Asia, we don't have that same same way we view our pets as family. It's yeah. definitely happening more and more now. You'll get the younger generation, a lot more millennials that we spoke about um, who are having families much later. They'll mm. start to have pets more and they, they start to treat their pets more like their children. Mm. Um, and I, I think it'll pick up very quickly in Asia, but it just hasn't hit that momentum just yet. Yeah. It's changing. For sure. It's changing. It's changing very so quickly. So investors' attitudes will change as well. So I mean, let's talk about what you're looking for in terms of partnerships, because mm-hmm. I think what's interesting about you is you have a very specific idea about what this should be, and you're solving a very specific problem which is close mm-hmm. to your heart, right? Which I think is important, and that's genuine. It's authentic, right? 
So you must be looking for people who kind of are on the same page, right? You know, yeah. it, it helps that they may also have pets and they share the same kind of frustrations as well. What are you looking for? Who, who people listening to your story now? Mm. What kind of what would you hope to get out of it? People to reach out to you and say, Jenny, what you spoke about really struck a chord with me you know and I do x yeah let's talk what would that x be for you what kind of companies and so on yeah I think um I think it was very surprising over the past few years the type of people that have come up to me to say I really believe in CarePod because of this and I had always been under the assumption that people would only come to me because they have a pet Um, and there's a large percentage of people who come up to me and say that because they're pet owners, they've either tried to fly with their pets or they have flown with their pets and absolutely just appalled by the entire yeah. process. Um, but there's also been this other big percentage of people coming up to me to say, we believe in this because, yes, pets are family, you know, or we really believe that airlines should be doing better, you know. I've had people tell me that, oh, and I have people who have been a part of our team, you know, great engineers and designers saying, we love this because we believe technology or design or engineering should make the world a better place. Mm. And this is a great example of better design, better technology can be saving pets, right? It's not, it's not rocket science, but it just hasn't been applied in mm. this space before. So I've been very um, surprised and pleasantly surprised by people who come up and share this with me and say, you know, we want to help you. We're, we're you know, software developers, we're engineers, mm. we're this, can I help you with that? And you're like, oh, do you have a pet? Nope. But we really believe better design or better engineering yeah, yeah. or, you know, better products and services should be able to present, prevent these deaths uh, because they're not, they, they are accidents that shouldn't have happened. Mm. So I, I think there's that. And I think for us, The next step, we've been very fortunate to already be in conversations with some of the airlines. And I think, uh, and we see the difference. It is really uh, the approach and the mindset of those airlines. Do they see pets as a priority? Do they see them as an important part of their business? Do they see that as something that's important to their passengers? Because as an airline, you can do a lot of different things. You can change the uniforms, you know, you mm. can, you know, they're investing the millions. Yeah, yeah, they're changing the logos. They're changing their, their dining options. They're changing you know, staff uniforms to, to be more attractive. But when you really think about it from a, a, you know, passenger from us, people who travel, do you really care? No. <laughs> if, if your flight attendant's uniform went from red to slightly red? Yeah. No. But here's the thing is that I think nine out of 10 airlines are like you say, but there are one in 10 airlines who get it. Yes. And those are the ones that you want to do your business with because those are the ones you don't have to explain why they should be doing this. That's right. And they understand, say, hey, look, we understand. I mean, the pets aren't paying their way here, right? We're not sort of selling to the pets. We're selling to the owners. And the owners can go wherever they want. Either way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They can go to this airline or that airline. But if... For example, this airline has a good reputation. Look how they look after their pets. Pet owners speak to each other. That's right. Right. I mean, they're always... And travel speak. people talk to each other. Yeah. Oh, this is the better this airline to... Fast. And it's, then it becomes like, I mean, maybe they don't spend a lot more money on this stuff, mm. but it for them, customer loyalty 
you know, it's key. huge. And yeah. all that money they spend on advertising can be ruined by one story. Yeah, of one like incident. Pet. Yeah, exactly. So I think it makes complete sense for them. You know, retention of customers is the best acquisition, right? Exactly. You know, that's what they need to focus on. And this, for me, I mean, if I was an airline, I'd look at this and say, right, this is going to come out of my my loyalty budget. You know, all that yeah. money that we throw at loyalty and marketing and PR needs to be focused on looking after this group of customers. Yeah. Right? Definitely. I think that's that's definitely the right way to look at it. And I, this is where we're saying it's very hard because that side of the business is on the passenger right. side, does not sit on the operational side for cargo. Right. So it's very hard for them to talk. Um, and I think there are definitely already some airlines that are thinking out of the box. Yeah. They're not just looking at, okay, how many more restrictions can I impose? And for a lot of the, the pet owners and passengers, the response has been, they're just more rules, but they're not making anything better. Mm. Right. So how do we make things actually better? And you really have to step back and rethink about your entire business. And to what you were saying, Graham, about this is where it's important to the passengers because the pets are families to the passengers. If you can win these passengers over, you win long-term loyalty. And I think when we look at airlines and airline businesses, everybody is fighting now for the millennials. Yeah. Right. That is a, a huge thing that all the passenger business talk about. They want to win millennials. How do we do that? We do that through digital. We have all these digital strategies. We have everything you can load onto an iPad. But they're not thinking about how millennials are the biggest group outside of baby boomers who now own a pet in the United States. Millennials are now the biggest spenders for pets. They were the biggest group of people that bought and the most bought the most expensive gifts for mm. their pets for Christmas. Not the baby boomers, but the millennials, right? And, and normally people think millennials are very cheap. You know, we don't earn a lot. We're, we're very picky. We're not very brand loyal. We're very smart. Um, but they are willing to spend on experiences, mm. right? They want to travel more. They're willing to pay more for experiences than products, than objects. And now that these people are delaying getting married, having families a little bit later, all of their spending goes to their pets. They want to travel more. This group more than ever wants to travel more with their pets, relocate more with their pets, mm. live in different cities. And the, the only people they want to bring, their family, is their pets. Right. So we can help the airlines see that, connect those dots, and understand this is the way to capture the millennial market. This is the way to really get loyalty and true loyalty. Not not loyalty through you know a gimmick or a promotion. This is a way to get loyalty that will win you this group of people for the next 15 years. That is what ultimately what airlines are looking for, but they don't they haven't connected the dots yet. They're trying to please millennials in different ways. Yeah. And we're gonna have more apps. We're gonna have more things where they can shop while they're sitting on the airplane and their iPads. They don't care about that. They want to fly with their pets. They want a safer way to fly with their pets. They want to go on holidays with their pets. If you can create a pet, a truly safe and you know best-in-class pet program, you've won these people over, hands down. Jenny Pan, everybody, CarePod, <laughs> thank you so much for sharing your story today. It's been really inspiring. And thank you so I much. I think you're on a journey, you're on a mission. And the great thing about sharing that mission with people is you'll find there are kindred spirits out there as yes. well. We've met, met a lot. Yeah, very, you know, it's like fortunate. rally around the cause, you know, make make contact with Jenny if you haven't done yes, so already. Please. We'll put all the details in the show notes. Perfect. 
Perfect. And I'm sure, like you say, there's lots of people who can contribute here. So, you know, I think it's not just pet owners, but there's a lot of people who can benefit from this. So thank you so much today, Jenny, for coming in and sharing your story. It's been a real privilege and an inspiration. Jenny Pam. Thank you so much. You've been listening to Asia Tech Podcast. Find out more at atp.show.